What's going on here? Resistance is futile. This, indeed, you are powerful. Is in my hand. Fan effect. And welcome to another episode of Fan Effect. You have producer Kellyanne today stepping in for our host, Andy. I'm here today because I was actually able to go to a wonderful film premiere at the Megaplex Theaters last night. You know, Megaplex is the sponsor of our show, so I'm so excited that um, I got to go to an actual real-life world premiere there. It was kind of fancy and just wonderful. Um, And the film I actually saw was something that's kind of near to my interest in my heart and You guys know one of my favorite fandoms is Halloween. I love taking things that are spooky and making it more approachable. And the film we actually saw was from Angel Studios, and it is called After Death. And, well, I I wouldn't call it a documentary. It's more of a cinematic exploration of the near-death experience. And it's just beautifully illustrated with... You know, we have these interviews, we have these wonderful reenactments and visuals that kind of just bring you into this this warm story of what are these near-death experiences and this mixture of science and spiritual within it. So, you know, it was, it was completely up my alley. And I'm so excited because I was able to talk to the director and some of the producers last night and some of the filmmakers, and I've invited them to come onto the show and talk a little bit about this process. So I have the director today, Stephen Gray, uh, here with me, and then I also have Tyler Friesen, the executive producer today, talk a little bit about this film, kind of what instigated it, a little bit behind the scenes, you know, and a little bit of insight for uh, those people like me who just can't get enough of learning about the other side. Uh, Steven, let's go ahead and start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in this project? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having us on. We're mm-hmm. really excited to be here and talking about After Death. So uh, th- this narrative uh, film um, is born out of loss. So I've been a filmmaker for about 15 years now, and <laughs> most of my work prior to making this film was in commercials, uh, a lot of commercials, some short docs. And um, Back in 2012, my brother-in-law was actually killed by a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that caused me personally to c- kind of begin to ask questions about, um, you know, what happens after we die. Well, at least to take it very seriously. Um, so I actually grew up, uh, you know, in a Christian home and, and went to church all my life uh, back in 2012. I honestly didn't know if I believed that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really kind of wrecked me and challenged that kind of notion of, you know, life after. And so that's where I came across these stories of people who had clinically died and had these experiences and then came back. And um, it was interesting to read it, uh, you know, in books. And so I think one book led to the other. And then, you know, shortly, it was it was a, a short period of time where all of a sudden I digested 30 books oh, you know, wow. uh-huh. of these near-death experiences. But what I found interesting in going through all of these different stories was, oh, there's something interesting here about this combination of people's stories. You know, it was, it was fascinating hearing about one account and what they experienced, but it was like something completely different to, to take a look from a high level, you know, all of these different experiences. And, and I was beginning to see a lot of overlap. And actually, um, so I, I made a plan early on, <laughs> uh, you know, this I think it really kind of started in like 2016 um, to, to make a feature. I had no means to be able to do that. Um, personally, but, uh, but definitely an ambitious, you know, idea. And, and so I kind of mapped out the vision for what this, what this feature could look like. And, um, you know, but I had to start somewhere. So 
I went out and told one person's story, which was Captain Dale Black. Um, I which told... is featured in the film as well. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yep. So Dale Black was a pilot who died in a plane crash in 1969. He and two other pilots, uh, they, they uh, took off from Bob Hope Airport at that time. And then they struck a monument, which is actually just off the end of a runway, basically, around a corner of a, a runway. This is in Burbank, California. In Burbank, California. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, the monument was called the Portal of the, of the Folded Wings, mm-hmm. um, which was actually erected uh, uh, in memory of deceased pilots. Um, so I think Amelia Earhart uh, is buried, like was her monument is at least there. And there's the Wright brothers, um, the engineers are are. Oh, and you don't even get in this that in monument. the film. Yeah. You know, this is what I love about talking to filmmakers and creatives. I always said it, I always say I want to be a little fly in the writer's room because I just want to hear all these details. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And it was a beautiful visual in, in the film as well. So, yeah. so you did the smaller version of with this story. Yeah, it was just it was just Dale's story, you know, definitely scaled back from what we made do with the feature. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's just kind of a proof of concept, like where is this gonna go, right? And so that that led to um, you know, a bunch of conversations that now became the feature film. And I, I can I can let Tyler talk about sort of oh, the progression of, of how that went from a short to to the feature. I love that, Tyler, if you want to introduce yourself and uh, go ahead and tell us how you, you became involved. With yeah, this. I'm Tyler Friesen, uh, executive producer on After Death. And uh, I, I became involved similar to Steve's story. I've been doing commercial work and I have a production company in Canada called The Film Collective. And, I, I did uh, notice that Aboot, so I was, I was figuring you might have you from Canada. Yeah, I actually spent a def- year and a half in, in Toronto, so <laughs> I'm very <Sorry>. happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I was doing commercial work actually for the company Stephen was working for, so mm-hmm. I kind of started a relationship there, and I, I knew about him because of his other work. He did a lot of commercial work. They were kind of one of the leading uh, companies for weddings and, mm-hmm. and commercial in, in Manitoba mm-hmm. um, for a very long time. And then... Uh, yeah, so I was in his office one day. Uh, I went in there and I said, "Steve, what are you working on?" I was delivering a hard drive with our commercial work. He goes, "Oh, yeah, I'm wrestling with this, you know, like he told told me the story, Dale Black's story and kind of the the project from the uh 10-minute little documentary yeah, that he made, yeah. um which is quite beautiful as well, called Discovering Heaven." Oh. He started talking to me about this and uh I had an early experience with like nine friends die between suicide mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. drowning and car accidents. Just I dealt with de- death a lot earlier yeah. than a lot of people, uh, unfortunately. But it caused me to ask those questions and get into my heart like there needs to be something more. Um, there has to be. And I grew up in the church as well. And, I, you know, that was my background. But similar to Steve is when uh, the spirit of God isn't alive uh, or it doesn't feel alive to you. Um, causes you to answer questions, which we should all do, like yeah. question things and, and seek answers, true answers. But anyway, he told me this and uh, it hit my heart so hard that before I walked out of there and he thought I was joking or not being very serious saying, yeah, he's kind of excited about the film. But uh, I walked out of there and before I left, I said, I'm in. However it looks, if you ever want anything needed, if you a financier, um, I'm in. Uh, I love the project. I love the spiritual and scientific which hasn't been done in the same way I, I think it's one of the things I love so much about this film yeah us too and that that was one of those things in editing and and finalizing the film we go okay this thing's unbelievably beautiful mm-hmm. the visuals the um the animations for everything the recreations um pretty stunning <laughs> visually but the, the story you go how do we cap this off like what mm-hmm. what's the final you share these incredible stories and uh 
it kind of alludes to hope, but it, it is really a message of, of hope to people mm-hmm. and saying like, this isn't it. There's a lot more after this. Yep. So that's what inspired me to jump in. And I, I was in from the first pitch. Like it, it was hardly a pitch. We were just talking in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I brought my, my brother-in-law and my, my dad, actually, John yeah, Dell and Henry Friesen as executive producers as well. And it's been a pretty fun journey since then. Oh, that's amazing. You know what I love about this is, you know, one of the other shows I produce is called Relentlessly Resilient. And what it actually is about, my host, we interview people and bring them in where they've had a hard tragedy in their lives. And what we learn is that people take these tragedies and they do have those questions. Like you had deeper questions about loss and about what happens on the other side and and wanted to explore that. And instead of kind of wallowing within that tragedy, you make a choice to move forward and to try to bring something to it. And I think for me personally, as someone who is also a creative and also a person with great faith. I love this idea that you couldn't just hold on to this tragedy, but had to explore it and then share it with others. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like a a guilty feeling. You go, I want to believe these things as strongly as you know, you've learned and you want to make them more of a reality than, than sort of an ideal Mm -hmm. or, or uh, just a religious experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, just not the the law of everything. Mm -hmm. You want God to be real. And I said, I want to believe like that, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the challenge. That was the start of my exploration, really, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, and this film has definitely given me that hope. Like, pretty and, incredible. And for those listening, I, I don't want you to think that, oh, well, this is a religious movie then. It, no. It's not really. It invites you to come to your own conclusion about that. Um, it's very yeah. explorative of there as well. Right. Um, so, Tyler... Do you have something to add to that? I feel like you're, or do you, are you ready for the next question? No, no, no. I, I could add, yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I would say that we intentionally made the film uh, kind of open-handed, right? And, and so half the film is kind of the science and exploration of, you know, the topic of near-death experiences through, you know, neurologists and, and we have cardiologists and surgeons and, and researchers have been studying this for 30, 40 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we also have, you know, the, the accounts and the stories of people who clinically die. We have 14 different people who clinically died between uh, 30 seconds to, you know, an hour and 45 minutes is the longest who we have in our film. Mm-hmm. Certainly counts that are longer, but that's the one. Part of the part of the, the sort of um, check boxes that we had to have in the people that we included in the film, we had very strict criteria. Um, so and that was that was personally kind of set by me because I. In the beginning, I, I wasn't sure that I really believed this stuff, uh, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, like Tyler was mentioning, I wanted to believe, but um, but I I was hesitant, I guess, a little bit. And so my criteria was, um, you know, there's certainly a lot of different books out there and stories of near-death experiences, but what evidence is there around uh, their death? Mm-hmm. You know, someone could say that, I think I died at home, you know, in my bed or, and there's no eyewitnesses or whatever. And, and that sh- certainly probably could have happened. Right. But what evidence do we have to support that? And so from a skeptical perspective and, you know, to the producers, producers from Cypher Studios who were part of the project as well, um, came at it from a very skeptical perspective. Yes. I mean, I was years mm-hmm. into this pretty convinced they were not convinced. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, and it's so hard as a fellow creative that you have an idea and you have to like, let someone else look at it pull it apart and be critical and kill your darlings yeah but you know what that's that's the interesting thing about filmmaking though is it's truly a a team like effort and we're Mm -hmm. we're in on this years in right like we have to work on this together as a team for years and so you're really thrown into the fire together and um 
I think it's having those different perspectives, especially for a film that, you know, comes in the, you know, genre of documentary, although this is not a typical documentary, it does kind of fit in that, you know, that genre because it's real stories. Um, But having these kind of varied uh, perspectives was helpful because we're telling multiple different people's stories and we want to approach it again, openly handed. So we don't hit anyone over the head with anything specific, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with the film. We want the audience to kind of go on a journey of discovery. And uh, I mean, you you hear their cases, like their stories, exactly what they experience. Like we we talk about that, we describe it, you know, in the film and we hear the sounds, um, we kind of go through that. And then we also, you know, look, look at all the evidence. But at the end of the day, it's like, you got to research that for yourself and you got to come to your own conclusions. I love that that's kind of the heart and the message of the film. of it like how how what's the process for those who who haven't gone through filmmaking but like maybe they they kind of want to like they'll yeah. go to the the panels at fanex or whatever or comic-con yeah 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 <laughs> what's kind of that process of of taking this idea and putting it into a film particularly something so complex so you know what's funny is uh there's there's some uh, mentors that have been you know years into filmmaking release multiple films mm-hmm. that uh that shared with me earlier on in the project was I mean, if you if you want to make a film, it's like if there's any other way, you know, to, to work or or, or or get money, uh, this isn't it. <laughs> yes. And don't and don't do don't make a film. <laughs> in fact, I was like encouraged by so many people. You know, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Um, you know, maybe don't do it. <laughs> See, I've done short films through school, and I totally made it to. I was like, no, this isn't my career. <laughs> Yeah, and so, but you know, like taking on a, a feature is like again. So it's 2016 to now 2023. It's an enormous amount of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I spent uh, nearly full time 2016 to 2019, and then we actually went into um, you know production basically like a very late 2019. And then you know we were our plans were we're going to begin to film this in the beginning of 2020, right? Oh, and then what happened? And, well, you know, it's like. So naive, right? But like we, you know, looking back now, but it's like, oh, it's gonna be so simple. <laughs> we're just gonna, you know, we have fourteen different people's stories. I mean, at that time, it was even less, and we're just gonna fly them all in one place. We're gonna fill them over two weeks. It's gonna be so simple, right? And then it's like, maybe in six months later, we're gonna do all the narrative re- reenactments, which have all been listed out and storyboarded again years into this kind of development stage. But you know, then COVID hits, yep. and to make things more comp, it's already hard enough to make a movie. Never mind all the different people. Never mind a topic that's like extremely difficult to portray. And you have to think about budget. Budget, everything, right? There's all these different variables. But then also, you know, the world shut down. And we didn't stop. We just forged ahead. Um, (laughs) But there's all these interesting kind of like difficult uh, things to overcome. So just to kind of highlight some of them, uh, there's a bunch of doctors in the film who are currently practicing doctors. Mm -hmm. And some of them are like heads of their departments, like Dr. Jeffrey Long, who runs uh, Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, he's amassed, you know, 4,000 near-death experience accounts verified from all around the world, but he's also an on- oncologist. And he's dealing with patients with, you know, like a, a compromised immune systems. And so, and this is early, we didn't know anything about the virus or anything like that, right? The world shut down and and we want to go and film and tell his story, right? So no one's flying anymore. No one's going to fly to us. It's not going to be that simple. We have to go to them. And then we have to get, the you know, the hospital's permission, we have to get doctors to cover for them. And then we have to, there's all these protocols, like all these different locations we're flying to now. 
I can't remember how many cities it was. It was oh, something wow. like 10, 11, 12 well, cities. LA, Mexico. You were all over the place. Oh, it was everywhere. It was like Cincinnati, Houston, um, uh, Minneapolis, uh, uh, Florida, twice in Florida, um, you know, Los Angeles. I mean, Idaho. There's like places all around the United States of America. But then these stories also that we include in the film, some of them are, are you know, in far reaches. Like we have a Steve Kang, who, who was born and raised in South Korea. We have Kirat uh, uh, from India. Yeah, so it's a, a kind of a variety of people. And um, yeah, it's, it's making a film is a huge undertaking. And I would say if it's something that you're passionate about and like excited about, it's worthwhile. Uh, that's what kind of kept me going because it's like, you know, you're, you got to stay with this for a very long time. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. To I love that so much as the, the opinion of a director who's like literally directing and making sure it's fitting your vision and, and the message of the film. What is that like as an executive producer? Long. <laughs> it takes a long time. Uh, no, it, I, I'm in a unique position for for the other executive producers. They're not filmmakers as well. I, I'm fortunate that I I am one, but I would say no one no one tackle a feature unless it's in your heart and soul to do it mm. because it takes way more work than you can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And it's been yeah between <laughs> how how many digital assets do, is there in there that were. Like it was sixteen hundred or something like oh that that goodness. were made. It was one hundred and sixty-two uh, planned visual effect shots. We ended up with quite a bit more. Well, and they were um, stunning too. Like, <laughs> yeah, like there's all these kind of like interesting things about. So we we again the plane crash is a big one. There's a lot mm-hmm. of like really big kind of uh, spectacles of, of of how they died, right? Mm-hmm. Mary Neal, um, she goes off a twenty foot drop, in a, in a waterfall, and she's pinned ten feet under the under the water, mm-hmm. uh, pinned against rocks and. The pressure of the waterfall is keeping her kayak and herself yeah. fully submerged. She's underwater for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having to, to, to have, you know, the footage of, of, of the kayak and going off and performing these stunts as well as, you know, Don Piper is a, is a semi-truck that's driving over his, his uh, you know, 1990s uh, red Ford, Ford, I think it was a Tempo. It's a little unexpectedly get a little bit of action Civic, film yeah, treatment in there. It's totally an action film. And then we have a plane crash. Like, again, mm-hmm. Dale Black, who kind of begins the film. Um, in 1969, a plane crash at, at 10 passenger cargo plane. Uh, it was a Piper Navajo chieftain, you know, strikes in the monument. And so, you know, we had to do, we did a, a variety of different kind of approaches with that. We did a lot of, we actually got a real plane very similar to the, the type of plane mm-hmm. that, you know, was used and uh, of that era too. And we had the actors inside and it was all, all filmed in an airplane hangar and a blue screen and all that. And we had, we had to get the you know the sun movement of the of the light of the morning on a, on a jib to, to have the sun kind of move and reflect and bounce off the actors in the cockpit, and then we had a full CGI kind of recreation of the exterior of the plane, and we had to recreate all of you know Burbank, California, in 1969. Mm-hmm. All of all these details. Wow. All of those details. Yeah, even even the plane you know the 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 tail number on the plane was exactly the same one as the one that crashed that day. Oh wow, uh, Tyler. Anything else, real quick, to add about the production and what it's like from your role? Yeah, for my role, I'd say a, a good relationship from an executive producer side. If there's filmmakers out there looking to get executive producers uh, interested in their film, mm-hmm. uh, leave your ego at the door. Yeah, uh, that doesn't work. Uh, it does for some, but leave it at the door. For I said the, as a producer too. Yeah, like, for those of us who are involved with. I just that, want to get things done. I don't. I don't yeah, care. You can throw my work out. I just want to get it done. That's right. <laughs> and research the teams you're going into. Um, mm-hmm. And couldn't ask for a better team from Steven from Cypher Studios and especially Angel Studios it's been pretty incredible and all the people there are more amazing than you could think 
I'm really. so happy about that. Well, and that's it's actually how cool. people are going to be able to find the film, basically, is through Angel Studios, correct? Because yes. they are the ones that are releasing the film. Can you let people know where to find the film? And not just in theaters, that's opening October 27th, 2023, mm-hmm. but after that. Yeah, so again, yeah, October 27th. Um, we hope that it plays for a long time in North America. 2,200 screens, you know, is amazing for, for a film in this genre. It's like it's actually puts us in the top 10 all-time release for a documentary in that genre oh, wow. for theater theater count. So it's like a huge release. But yeah, people can learn more about it at angel.com slash after death. That same URL is going to work uh, even after the theatrical run, you know, in terms of where you can see it next and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we're we're excited about the impact of the film. I was just going to say really quickly in some, some sure. kind of like, you know, interesting tidbits about um, the filmmaking process too, is like these narrative recreations that we did in Mexico, it was it was done at uh, it used to be formerly a uh, Fox Studios in Baja, Mexico, and it was actually the studio was built for the movie Titanic. Oh wow! Yeah, so, <laughs> history. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it was James Cameron's t- Titanic was was uh, all film shot there, um, and then it was also Master and Commander, Tomorrow Never, Tomorrow Never Dies, um, and uh, you know the and, theater nerd me. I mean the, the yeah. film nerd me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, in, Independence Day, uh, Fear of the Walking Dead, and so there was memorabilia of these you know films everywhere. X Men was also two, I think it was like two thousand one X Men, yep. and the whole set yeah, we're so we're actually you know walking on the set of all these things. It's amazing. Um, but we're also working with the same crew that worked on Titanic and Master Commander and all that, who actually applied their skill uh, to to the narrative recreations of the film. So we got to go to the detail of, you know, we're d- we're doing hospital scenes and, and recreations at actual hospitals, and we're working with, you know, real nurses and real doctors, and we're staging these environments in multiple eras. You know, th- some of these cases take place in the 1960s, 1970s, and the 1980s, 1990s. When was like tw- 2016 or, so, or 2006 or something? Like, yeah, it was, two, wow. 2016. So there's there's all these different periods, and there's like, I mean, they go down to the different uh, kinds of linens that we're using in operating rooms. Um, the colors of linens that were done in Texas at that time, we got so specific on like the level of detail and the tools that were used and different operating procedures. Um, I mean, you could literally pause frame by frame in the movie, and you'll see so many details Nerd um, is loving this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had to source all that kind of stuff too, and the, and you know, there's some of the original, uh, you know, tape interviews that we did with Dr. Sabum as well. It's like he's in his 1960s office, and everything in that office, including you know, on the background on the wall, is like we have actually have his medical certificates and stuff like that up on the oh, wall. Awesome. And we're sourcing, you know, these tape players and and cool, you know, things from that era. So. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that you're able to use other creatives and collaborate and bring it in, you know, with the studios, with the historians that are checking these things, with the fabricators to bring it all together. You know, I just I love supporting creatives and good storytelling. I think above all else is what I consider myself as as an arts and storytelling advocate, because that's really what changes our perspectives in this world. It's not politics. It's not money. It's listening to other people's story and opening ourselves up to that. I'm so great at Grateful I got to talk to you creators. Uh, Real quick, do you guys have a website that you might maybe want if people want to see more of your creative work? Yeah, I mean, my simple website is just (laughs) stephengray.ca. So it's Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. It's a little bit of a different spelling. Um, there and I have, which gray, American or English? uh, Well, it's G-R-A-Y. A-Y. Yeah, yeah. That's American. (laughs) So that'll be mine. And the fun projects are usually tied to something like Angel Studios, but yeah. uh, my, my personal one, it's mostly commercial work and stuff, but it's thefilmcollective.ca. One really cool thing about, uh, besides the film, we actually have two soundtracks that accompany the film. So there's an Inspired By album, some amazing artists uh, all across the U.S. that have watched the film and, and made songs in response to it. But we also have this beautiful soundtrack that's in the film, so people can go and listen to, to the music that, that was composed by Hannah Parrott, 
um, you know, she's an amazing composer. And I felt like sonically she got so close to, you know, this, oh. this otherworldly experience. Mm -hmm. So people can go and listen to that at Apple Music or Spotify. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for letting me see the film. And thanks to everyone listening to this episode of Fan Effect. We're a KSL News Radio podcast. Beyond sci-fi, fantasy, gaming, and tech, we are excited to share with you our knowledge and often arguments on everything pop culture and fandom. Based in the beautiful Beehive State, Fan Effect celebrates Utah's unique fan culture, and we are excited to bring you local guests that feel the same way and to do deep dives like this where we're talking with the actual filmmakers. Yay! I am your host, well, I'm your co-host and producer, Kellyanne Halverson. We invite you to listen regularly on your favorite platform at kslnewsradio.com, kslpodcast.com, and on the KSL News Radio app. Do you have any fun ideas or local fan culture topics you would like us to explore? Let us know. Send us a message on our Facebook page at Fan Effect Show, where you can always uh, get in on the latest nerdly updates and conversations. Follow us on Instagram at Fan Effect Show as well. And just again, thank you for listening to the podcast today. We hope to have you back again real soon for another episode of Fan Effect. Fan Effect.